Welcome to the Open Doors podcast. Today we are putting out um, the sermon on eating together as a spiritual practice. Not even just eating together, but just the practice of eating food and how it can be a spiritual, communal, and missional practice in our lives. This is something the church, our church, and the church uh, all over the planet has been practicing for thousands of years. We think that Jesus did a great job using this everyday uh, thing that we all have to do as a way to, to meet people, be with people, care for people, love people, the practice of eating. Lee Scott, uh, Reverend Lee Scott, is our parish associate at the Open Door, and he delivers this message today. scripture this morning comes from Luke chapter 22, and in particular, this is not a part of the lectionary. Our scripture this morning comes from a little bit of an excavation, if you will. So as we work through the, um, the practices of the open door, I did something I haven't done in a while, and that is visit the page that we have for the practices of the open door on our website. Decided to uh, borrow a little bit of what uh, the author Clifford Geertz uses as imaginatively re-experiencing, trying to think, what is it like to encounter um, who this church is a little bit for the first time? So kind of re-experiencing that. And there's some scripture passages that are underneath the practice of eating to help us understand what some of those who organized this church and uh, faithfully uh, responded to the Lord's call on their hearts to build a church and to send it forth um, had. And some of you uh, are here this morning who are part of that team. So Luke uh, 22, 7 to 20 is a part of that. So uh, hear this word um, from the Lord. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover meal for us that we may eat it. They asked him, where do you want us to make preparations for it? Listen, he said to them, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs already furnished. Make preparations for us there. So they went and found everything as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When the hour came, he took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup that is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God indeed. Amen. How many of you enjoy the practice of eating? How many of you enjoy the practice of eating with other people? How many of you miss eating with the open door? Yeah. I'm going to read our practice for us so that we can recall it. Eat with others. We strive to eat with at least two people we don't live with, one from the open door and one not each week. Jesus regularly ate with friends and strangers. He culminated his ministry in the Last Supper, where he told us to do likewise. Eating with others is a place of conversation, community, and hospitality, and it is practiced throughout Scripture in regular celebrations, feasts, sacrifices, and gatherings of the people of God. Whether with one or many, whether coffee or a feast, whether serving or being served, sharing a meal together provides an opportunity to grow in relationships, to build trust, and ultimately for Christ to work through us in those relationships. There's a bit of um, a re-experiencing and a recollection to this, and it is um, a practice of the people of God to do that to recall back. Um, if we think of um, the prescription to the Israelites in Exodus, remember, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, that we do not forget that. Um, in the same manner, um, it is good for us to remember and recall. It's a good thing to do on occasion, to re-examine why we do something because as we will see this morning, reminding us why we do things can reorient us back to something we otherwise might have lost or may have let go. Eating, food, agriculture, cooking and baking, and the land. These are things that I love. There's an interconnected experience of eating one that, if we're going to be honest, it can be so mundane as we can ignore it or take it for granted. But in eating, we have, a, we have clear biblical evidence that this isn't just something that we do as a means to an end of surviving, but it's something that's vitally important to God. Because eating impacts so much that matters. Why is eating a core value to the open door? one of our five practices, because it's so, so vitally important to the Lord. If we think about it, you know, the, the narrative begins in a garden and ends with us at a table. The action of the church demands that we not lose sight of the location of these things. It begins in a garden 
and ends and sends us out to a table. Whether it's Elijah in a cave, Adam and Eve in the garden, Israel in the wilderness with the, um, the amazing gift and almost playfulness of quail and manna, Joel and Habakkuk's prophecies on behalf of the land and the crop, the Passover, feast days, parables, and a supper in an upper room, our relationship to eating is important because it matters to God. We have so much evidence throughout scripture of the way in which God provides not just the nutrition of a meal for God's people, but provides the meal in itself. Because if we've ever been, and I'm sitting, it's appropriate that I'm sitting at my dining room table right now. This is probably the most appropriate use of my dining room table for a Zoom call that I have had since the start of the pandemic. But if you've ever sat at a dining room table with a group of people, it's not a cafeteria table where you're just trying to get through it as much as possible. The meal is provided by the Lord. The meal of communion is provided by the Lord. There's more to eating than just sustenance. But we drift from that, right? We drift from this for a variety of reasons. Relating to food has many pitfalls. Um, disease and disorder, abundance and want. Our cultural narrative speaks with a very loud voice of what food is, that it's a means to an end. That nourishment of, whether that's nourishment of self, just purely getting the nutrients we need, or the hedonistic pleasure of being a foodie, or a can be um, many challenges, or even the stumbling block to wellness, um, that the dominant cultural narrative gives an idolatrous view of a beautiful gift. But there's a bit of a whisper throughout the, the whole narrative of scripture of something different. What if eating could be something different? What if eating could be perhaps a tangible witness to grace? For without nourishment, I, I will fail. It becomes a context for knowing God through the learning of my own limits. That's fasting. The giving up of a meal. To what end? To grow in the knowledge of my own desire, the appetite that I have. Not just for food, but the other appetites that would govern my body. By writing a relationship with food, we, we, see, um, we see what drives us. Fasting and eating are neighbors in the spiritual disciplines. I might live in a duplex together. Eating together becomes a means of extending grace and mercy, which is the direction, the trajectory that um, this practice for our church is on, a means of extending grace and mercy. And I'm here to tell you, this is really tough to do in a pandemic, but this church is doing it. Um, my wife and I are uh, experiencing the gift from many of you of meals uh, as we are 
surviving with bits of thriving uh, the first six weeks of having an infant. Um, it's been an eye-opening experience and all this time that I thought I would have to cook, I just definitely don't. And so this wonderful gift to be a part of a church that provides um, out of a practice of its identity as a group of people, a meal for others um, has been a beautiful working out of this that we have experienced. But we must rediscover this practice in the fullness of the practice as we emerge out of the lockdown, right? Um, it's plain at the front here. We strive to eat with at least two people we don't live with, one from the open door and one not each week. This is a pain point. This is a practice that we have been fundamentally unable to really live into for nearly a year. And this practice in the, in the um, words here says nothing of our communal practice of communion every week. And that has been a loss. What a loss. The sharing of a meal is to share a tenderness of time and grace, to hear and know the other, and in mercy to know someone by the breaking of bread. In so doing, we do more than just nourish our bodies, because in sharing and partaking, we join together as two made in the image of God, who are also adored, sharing a table and being fully present to those we are with. Eating is to, um, to recall what Brock told us, um, eating is a praxis is a means of living into what it is that we say we believe. Um, I can say that I believe that it is important for me to um, love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But what are the practices that orient me towards that? What are the things that I can do beyond the scope of my head, with my hands, with my feet, and in this case, with my mouth, um, that can reorient my whole life and body towards this thing that I am confessing. That is a beautiful witness of what eating has been meant to be in scripture, because eating is a praxis. Eating together becomes an experience in formation because it welcomes us into hospitality and mercy to invite in or provide a meal is to focus on the needs of the other to sustain one another in grief and in joy, in the mundane and in the grand. Eating as praxis pushes us towards transformation and justice. I mentioned before that there are disorders that our culture has shouted into our ears around relationships with food. And by no means uh, do I want to at all exacerbate um, the feelings that individuals may have around food. It is a journey for each of us. Um, but I wanna identify that the transformation that our church needs to have around food is to recognize that it isn't just a thing to be done or to be consumed, 
but it's got a lot of um, emotion and identity and everything else bound up within it um, for our relationship to it. And so I urge us this morning to think as regards transformation, what does it mean for me to understand not just my own relationship with food, but understand and have compassion on the relationship with food that others have? The church has centuries of extending the table to those who have limited or no access to food. This is a justice issue. The access to the sustenance needed for nutrition, as well as the access to the enjoyment of a meal, the welcoming in of somebody who is a stranger to a table to know that they may not be known, but are given the entrance into being known in community is a justice action on behalf of the church. And I would be remiss to say, and this has been attempting to burst out of me the entire length of this sermon thus far, you cannot discuss eating as praxis without addressing the origin of the food and where it comes from. The church has an imperative to address the cultural um, disordered nature with food, including but not limited to insecurity, nutritional access, agricultural justice and mercy, ethics, and the disease and shame associated with food. How we relate to eating as American Christians simply must change. We require transformation. We cannot look at food as simply a means to an end. We cannot lord our access to food over other people, whether intentionally or even unintentionally. If we recall the amount of food that gets tossed from our pantries or from our refrigerators on an annual basis. I mean this not to guilt anyone. I am far more guilty than I wish to tell you or confess with waste. But this is not some milk toast admonition to buy local either. This is a, a longing for the church to examine what it means to be with one another around a table once again. We need to love our friends, those with um, culturally ordered experiences with food, um, those who have challenges in relating with food and eating. We need to think long and hard about how much and at what cost beyond my own economic cost my food is ending up on my table. We need to think and this is something that gets passed over so much. We need to think about what my eating means for the land throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament in Colossians, especially. God is concerned about the land almost as much as God is concerned about the people because our relationship with the land should never be separated. 
So we need to ask ourselves, what does my eating imply for my understanding of or relationship to the land? I think that um, how we how we understand that will shape even more our relationship with the practice of eating. Because just because I may not be a farmer or I may not um, have a garden of my own, I must understand that it is land that this comes from. And how do we treat the land if I just simply um, do not seek to understand it? Food is a means of understanding even the ground that we, we walk across. And that ground that we walk across, every single square inch of it belongs to the Lord. We must transform our stomachs along with our hearts and no longer be ruled by them. Or many ancient Christians who in their writing remind that the important practice of fasting is chiefly there so that we would not be ruled by the passions of our belly um, into making decisions that would otherwise lead to um, excess. But instead, we should be mindful of it. The church has an imperative to address eating, which means we are drawn further in to communion with one another. For this is one of the most important parts of this, in this re-examination. One of the ways that the open door has been countercultural, even towards the dominant experience of the church in the United States, is that for approximately 10 years, we have celebrated communion on a weekly basis. That is a norm for our community, and that is far from a norm for many churches. And I confess to you, I hate virtual communion because I really, really miss the tangible breaking of the bread and the dipping into the cup and the gift of the presence of another person immediately across from me. But communion, it took me a long time to come around to this theologically. John can tell you this. Communion each week roots us in a trust that the Holy Spirit's presence is not bound by my own ability to perceive across the Zoom screen. Because if you'll recall, we pray at the outset of communion that the Holy Spirit would move upon in a tremendously mysterious way these common elements of bread and cup. That the bread we break and the cup that we bless will be for us the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And so this mysterious movement roots us in the practice of celebration, even across a computer screen and Zoom. And I would say even and especially because it's a celebration of the Lord's Supper, not a liturgical speed bump after the sermon. This is the crescendo of our church experience. We do this together, remembering Jesus and remembering that apart from God, I'm neither satisfied nor whole. This leads to my final point and pointing back towards the beginning of this. Communion must, on a weekly practice of celebration, move us out of 
out through gratitude to a posture of rejoicing. It is a gateway to celebration. I mentioned rediscovering um, and re-experiencing uh, the practice. And if you'll look into the scriptures there, you've got an Old Testament passage in the Eat With Others. I'm reminded that in 2 Kings chapter 22, 1 to 20, um, in, a, in his process of renovating the temple, um, Josiah was given a report from the chief priest, Hokiah, who discovered manuscripts of the book of the law, of how Israel is to live. And one thing leads to another, and the prophetess Huldah tells Josiah that they need to repent and go back to the old ways. This is not that, but it is a rediscovery. And the Open Door website practices the scripture for eating includes Numbers 10.10. And I know all of you have been dutifully reading Numbers on a regular basis. And so you don't need me to read this scripture to you, but I will. Numbers 10.10 says, Also, on your days of rejoicing at your appointed festivals and at the beginnings of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over your sacrifices of well-being. They shall serve as a reminder on your behalf for the Lord, your, before the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. The imperative begins here also on your days of rejoicing. Have we not been lacking for days of rejoicing for far too long? For far too long. In a larger context of the whole of chapter 10 of Numbers, because there it's giving you instructions on um, creating for Israel uh, two trumpets. Um, in the larger context, it's an admonition to celebrate, which in true Numbers form, chapters 28 and 29 enumerate how to celebrate them and on what days gives all the important context for the festivals that are to be consecrated. But these are for your days of rejoicing. Oh, that we would have days of rejoicing before us now. The church is at its best when it is able to critique culture and offer a compelling alternative towards a relationship with the Lord. We are, and I speak from experience of receiving the hospitality of this, we are exceedingly good as a congregation and community about weeping with those who weep. But friends, in this coming season, we must be bolder too to take the lead of rejoicing with those who rejoice. This will be a countercultural move for our church because we need to consecrate feast days. We need to rejoice. We need to find a deep and abiding joy of the Lord with one another. And this is why we do communion each week. It is a meal, not a drive through. I'd like to read to you 
little bit of a summation of what I believe our understanding of food can be beyond just a means to an end. There's a really wonderful book out there that I would encourage all of you to read. It is called The Supper of the Lamb. It's written by an Episcopal priest, Robert Ferrer Capon. Um, and in this, he says, to be sure food keeps us alive, but that is only its smallest and most temporary work. Its eternal purpose is to furnish our sensibilities against the day when we shall sit down at the heavenly banquet and see how gracious the Lord is. Nourishment is necessary only for a while. What we shall need forever is taste. For food is the daily sacrament of unnecessary goodness, ordained for a continual remembrance that the world will always be more delicious than it is useful. Friends, eating as a practice is not something many churches have in their um, explicit description of who they are, but it is something that has been throughout the history of this, the short history of this congregation, a transformative experience. It is something that has brought people together over a common table in the worship space, as well as across uh, the digital divides. It has been the means to understanding um, some of the deep grief and pain of brothers and sisters, as well as helping us to understand the Lord's love of the land. It is our gateway to um, moving into the coming season where we must find a way to rejoice with those who rejoice. So let us continue this practice. Let us turn back to the scriptures that are listed there. Let us remind ourselves of what it is like to eat with one another again. And let us live into those practices in the coming days. Thanks be to God. I help you fail.